I'm glad to be with you this morning. Is it good to be here? Amen. Third week of Advent, and uh, gosh, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture that we're looking at today. Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 4 through verse 9, and um, why don't we just jump right into this uh, as as we go. And I want to talk to you about why all the anxiety, why all the anxiety, Uh, what a great time to kind of talk about anxiety or worry Uh, Some versions just exchange the word worry for anxiety. Um, It doesn't really matter, does it? We We all wrestle with this. We all have, uh, this is one of those things in our life that we have to consistently deal with. And um, anyway, I want to try to help all of us with that today, and I'm sure that uh, God is going to speak some things into our heart. So let's read the scripture. Let's read it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So as I said, anxiety is one of those things. One definition for anxiety is simply a feeling of worry or nervousness or unease, typically about imminent events or something with an uncertain outcome. And it's interesting when it comes to the studies that have been done on anxiety and worry, because I think the general sense we have is anxiety and worry reduces uh, with things like wealth, Uh, uh, things uh, like uh, abundance. But actually, uh, studies have found that the more resources people have, the more they would say they're anxious. In our culture, one out of 10 people are actually on medication for uh, one type of anxiety or worry or another, psychologically um, diagnosed. And uh, estimates are that one out of five people clinically struggle with anxiety to the level where it really affects their their psychology. But God has a way. What a beautiful portion of scripture, right? The peace of God. Just think about that for a minute, that God wants us to receive his peace today. I would say that anxiety is very much like a terrorist in our lives. And I think that that's what this scripture uh, talks about. Now, um, again, getting back to the fact that we all wrestle with anxiety, but um, the, the way to maybe pay attention to anxiety or worry is to understand it really is more about what goes on in our imagination, and we'll get into that in a minute, than anything else. It really is, it tries to bring fear 
uh, anxiety uh, like a terrorist. The enemy tries to bring fear and worry and anxiety into our lives. So how do we walk into this piece of scripture talks? This is that part of the scripture. Maybe most of us or a lot of us have quoted this scripture that God will give us peace. We've prayed it over ourselves, over our family, over others perhaps, that God would give us a peace that passes understanding, that like transcends our ability to understand beyond what is natural, that God would meet us. This is that place. So how do you and I walk in a peace that goes beyond our understanding? I want to talk to you about four different things that I see in this scripture. There's so much more, but um, can we get those up on the board? Let's just go over them. To walk in peace beyond our understanding, first of all, we need to know what is at stake, okay? Secondly, we need to know or watch our consumption. Thirdly, the scripture indicates that we need to live right, And fourthly, we need to take back our imagination. So you might want to jot those down. First of all, we need to know what's at stake. As I said, um, anxiety is like a terrorist in our like a terrorist in our life. Comes in thoughts. The enemy comes. um, We think that the enemy is after our stuff. Perhaps like that's one of the things that we think. We think that. Um, what's at stake is perhaps you might think at times your car is at stake or your house is at stake or your promotion is at stake or your money is at stake. But those are just symptoms of the greater thing that the enemy is after in your life and mine. And what the enemy is really after is your peace. So you've never seen, I mean, the devil doesn't drive, right? You thought the devil drove. You thought you were driving next to the devil before. They cut you off on the road. You were sure that was the devil. That's not the devil. The devil doesn't drive. The devil doesn't need your car. But if, if, if you losing your car can lead to you losing your peace, then that is a strategy in your life. You get it? So what's at stake always is our peace. Jesus makes it clear. Paul makes it clear here. This is, remember when Jesus was sleeping in the boat and all of the disciples are freaking out. They're ready, to, they're ready to jump ship, although they know if they jump ship that they're going to lose their lives. And Jesus is sleeping. It's one of those moments in scripture that you see time and time again with Jesus where Jesus is just saying, this is a, I'm, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. He speaks peace to the storm, right? Everything comes. And they're all, they still don't get it. And that's what happens. It's always about the enemy trying to take our peace. See, what happens is the, the, the enemy tries to bring, like a terrorist, personal threats and possibilities in our lives. See, um, anxiety and worry is based on possibilities. It's the things that we think about. It's, the, it's not necessarily like a terrorist activity. It's not, you know, certainly there's the violent act that a terrorist does, but it's the things the terrorist ultimately is trying to get everybody to worry about the violent act. You understand? And that's how the enemy... See, terrorism isn't like a new thing in our lifetime. The enemy has been using this in people's lives since people have been around. To bring, to bring fear around possibilities in our lives. To create assumptions. To get us to uh, get to a place perhaps where we can't trust again because, not because there's a reality that we shouldn't trust again, but because if we trust again, we might have to go through the thing we've already gone through. 
or the, the thoughts that come into our mind because we've had failure in our mind, perhaps, then the enemy continues to use that. You'll never amount to anything. Your life isn't worth anything. And we get anxious and we get worried about it and we start to believe lies. We start to believe things about our own life that is not what God has intended for our life. And we begin to lose peace. See, if we can, first of all, understand that what this is really about what, what Paul is trying to say here and what Jesus comes to the earth for, and that's why we celebrate and we get into this scripture on it, what this is all about is Jesus is coming to bring peace to the earth. He's coming to bring peace to your life. He's coming to bring peace to my life. And the enemy wants nothing more than to disturb that peace. See, it's interesting because when you give your life to Christ, there is a peace you have with God. But any of us that have given our life to Christ would tell you you still have to do warfare against anxiety and worry. That does not go away because you give your life to Christ. You're at peace with your eternal situation but you're still doing life in the today and tomorrow. So that is the ground that the enemy tries to begin to work in our life. It is the place that the devil wants to do warfare. So if that's, if that's the truth, then I just have a question for us to consider. If, if the enemy, more than being after our stuff, maybe our career, the things about our future, if what the enemy's really after is peace, your peace, are you valuing peace enough? Are you, are you being aggressive enough, intentional enough about making sure that you're living into peace? The second thing the scripture kind of indicates here and uh, in, in verse 8, and verse 8 has so much in it, so the next couple of things I want to talk to you about really is about verse 8, but it's just that we need to watch our consumption. We need to watch what we're taking in. Paul says this, he says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We live in the craziest time when it comes to information. So many options, right? We are on option overload. I mean, some of us are old enough to remember when you went to the gas station that you were there to buy gasoline. It was just amazing. Like you weren't there to get a back massage. You weren't there to like get Subway. You weren't there to grocery shop. You were there to get gasoline. I know it seems unbelievable for those of you that are young. But it's like really gas stations, because things were a lot more simple. And I think that there is, this, there is this influx of, there is this flooding. We have such an opportunity to consume. Doesn't mean we didn't have it then, but we have it more now than ever. So the scripture tells us to dwell on things that are noble, true, what is right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think on these things, the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. And what happens is there's only so much space. We want to believe that we could just take it all in, but we just, we can't. And we get overloaded and we have to be careful and paying attention to our consumption. Because we literally can get to the place where we have so much consumption that isn't a part of that list that we get overloaded with consumption that crowds out our space that we need for peace. 
right? Like our phone. How many of you can't even remember the last time you shut off your phone? There is an off button on there, by the way. I learned that. Um, it, took, it wasn't right when I bought my phone. It took a little while, and it's like, does this thing shut off? I think it, I learned that it shut off when it started malfunctioning, right? Because that's how, that's how we get. But it's like we, it's like we were on a shock collar. We, we, we have this shock collar that we carry around, and it just loads us with information. And listen, there's a great gift in that. But we have to pay attention to at times we need to shut it down. Uh, some of us remember the term, this is an older term, used to be garbage in and garbage out, right? When I first gave my life to Christ, we talked about that a lot. Claire and I were working with youth. You'd talk to youth a lot about that, and it was generally about, you know, garbage in, garbage out. That meant uh, don't listen to rock and roll. That was one of the things. And, uh, you know, don't smoke, things like that. And uh, listen, there's some, some, there can be some wisdom in all that. You, you got you to... Gotta, Pay attention on your own, on what what you should be taking in and and not taking in and paying attention to all of that. It's not about just necessarily the movies, although that could be the movies. That's how it used to be. But we do need to pay attention. That's what's being said here. Pay attention to what you're consuming. The truth is about some of us, the only time that we ever even read scripture is here. Here. When the screen comes up, and I don't say that to condemn anybody, I'm just saying it to, this is a place of anxiety for us. The scripture brings peace in our life. The presence of God brings peace in our life. Worshiping together makes space to crowd out some of that other consumption. And if all that we're consuming is chaos... Of course we're anxious. Of course we're fearful. Of course we're worrying. So pay attention to our consumption. I I heard a while back a a trainer say, a physical trainer say, that you can't out-train a bad diet. Can't out-train a bad diet. It's like we all want peace. We all want peace. I, I've seen, maybe you've seen this before. I've never really paid much attention to it, but I've seen people like say, you know, you can't out-train a bad diet or you've got to eat a certain way, so maybe you should do a food log, like take, take track of your calories and all of that stuff. I think it would be a great idea for us to do a, maybe a thought log, maybe a soul log, like, am I, am I a, a relational log? Because, you know, even people, now there's people that you and I need to be around. It's part of our life. You might work with people that cause anxiety for you and worry. They create problems. Uh, you cannot, you know, you just, that is what it is. But then there are relational issues that you can avoid. I can avoid. And maybe a relational log to say, you know what, I'm going to pay attention to the people that I'm around because I need to be around people that bring peace into my life and regulate my spirit, that bring God's presence into my life regularly. And it doesn't mean that we abandon people and say, oh, those are the bad people, this is this, but it's that we pay attention to the fact that I have to be around people that are healthy to bring in some regulation and some peace into my life. 
exposing ourselves to what is good and lovely and of good report. Which ties in, the scripture ties in also to living right. It says it right in it. It says whatever is true and noble and right, whatever is pure and lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about these things. David put it this way in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. He said, search me, O God. To live right is to be searched. Search me, O God, and know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts. It's not that you and I are not going to have anxious thoughts. It's are we going to live with the anxieties that we live with? God realizes we live in a world that, that produces anxious thoughts in us. There is reason at times to be anxious and worried But what God says throughout the scripture and what we're encouraged time and time again is there is a way to move through this in a healthy way, a peaceful way, to enjoy the presence of God in a different way. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When I used to do electrical work, to, to live right, is to, it's, it's an issue of integrity, to, to live right, to live purely. I, uh, one of the places that I worked at, we, um, we worked, we did outside, I, I did outside contracting, which just essentially meant that I traveled all over the place to install things at one of the jobs I was at. Anyway, one of them, uh, they had these giant... Uh, oil tanks. You've seen them probably by the sides of freeways. It's like farms of oil tanks, these gigantic tens of thousands of gallons of different types of fuel. Anyway, this place that I worked at uh, would go to, they, they did like asphalt products and things like that. Anyway, um, they, would, they would annually have an inspection on these tanks because those tanks, they're, they're metal tanks the ones that I was working on, they were metal tanks, and they would have to heat some of the, uh, the product up at times. And then they had a skin on the outside, so like insulation, so metal, then insulation, then another metal wrap. So in order to be able to see what was going on on the inside without emptying the tank itself, they literally brought these x-ray machines, and they would x-ray the tanks. And they were always looking for just hairline fractures in the metal because obviously if you don't deal with the hairline fracture in the metal and you start heating up this oil product, you could have huge problems. So they would test these things. And in the same way, that's what the scripture, when David says, search me, O God, and tell me if there's any offensive way in me so that you can help me with my anxious thoughts. See, because... If, if we're not living a life of integrity, again, of course we could get anxious about it. Of course we can be concerned. You know, search me, oh God. Let me know if there's something that needs to be straightened out in my life. Maybe, Lord, I'm anxious and I need to change and align more with your will and desire for my life. Help me find those fractures in my life before something explosive happens. 
Lord, I want to live whole. I remember being in math and we would talk about whole numbers, right? I just want to live a whole life, wholly aligned. That's what David's saying. Not a perfect life, although that wouldn't that be great if you could live a perfect life, but you're not going to live a perfect life. But we can live in a whole way. And that is to say, search me, oh God. Let me know if there's offensive things going on in my life. Let me, help me so that I can have these anxious thoughts I have dealt with and that I can live and I would be led into the way everlasting. I don't want there, Lord, to be a work me and then an after work me and then uh, at home me and then a recreational me and then a church me. I want all of those things to be me. I don't want like one of my friends from work to see me online at Crossroads Church and Ministries and say, wow, you go to church? I want, the, I want them to be able to say, I always knew you went to church. That we would live whole lives, live right. See, the thing about living compartmentalized, living a few different lives, it's just hard to take track, isn't it? Doesn't that get tiring? Which leads to this last piece, and that is that we are invited to take back our imagination. This is where the rubber meets the road with anxiety and worry. It's in our imagination. Scripture says in verse 7, the peace of God which transcends, everyone say transcends, so it goes beyond our understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The battleground, the ultimate ba terrorist battleground between you and the enemy and me and the enemy is our imagination. This is the place where the enemy tries to come in like a flood, gives us worst-case scenarios, gives us dead-end scenarios, gives us hopeless scenarios, tries to communicate to us scenarios of fear or scenarios of lack. Things that probably may not even ever happen. Or even if they did happen, the biggest issue is trying to steal our peace before anything even happens. The enemy tries to work in the realm of killing us by possibilities. Possibilities that are not good. Possibilities that we fear. And it's in this place that the enemy is after your and my dreams, destiny, and it starts in our imagination. See, the interesting thing about it is much of what we worry about and we have anxiety over, the enemy has no way of producing the possibilities that he's speaking into our life, almost like a terrorist. It'll never happen. But if he can just make us feel like it's going to happen any moment. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now listen up. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Your imagination life is a gift, but the enemy wants to use it against you get you to lose sleep, to have fear of possibilities that somehow the enemy has dropped them into your spirit or mind, into our minds, into our imagination.
Remember when you were a kid, it was so easy to imagine, wasn't it? You were creating things, you were making up games, you were having a ball. I was talking to somebody this week about, I'm not like a real art kind of person, but in sixth grade, I remember uh, one of the assignments in art class uh, was we had to make a movie, you know, back when you had to they were pumping, all you got is gas at the gas station and there were actual cameras that had like film in them and stuff. Anyway, I remember I thought, I, at first I panicked. I thought, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then my teacher said, Scott, you're in charge of your group. Got to come up with a three-minute movie. So there was a guy in my class. He looked just like Dracula. I thought he looked like Dracula. I thought, we're going to make Dr- Don, you're Dracula. You're the star of the show. And our imagination went wild. It was like there, there were no boundaries. No boundaries to the goodness of God. Some of us are not experiencing at the smallest level the goodness of God because the enemy has tied up our imagination. I am here today to tell all of us that that stronghold does not have any right in the playground of of our mind that God has created for dreaming, for our desires, for destiny, for visioning, for futuring. That is not the devil's territory. That is God's territory in your life and mine. And it needs to be brought back to life for all of us fully. So when you feel the enemy coming in and trying to give you threats of possibilities, you just say, this is not your turf. This is not your area. I cast you down. Devil, take your hands off of my imagination. You have no right. You have no authority in this place. This is God's turf to help me dream and come up with possibilities that are of his will and his desire. That's what Jesus said shortly before he went to the cross. He said this, my peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Let's stand. And as we begin to worship, this is how we fight our battles with the enemy. It it needs to start today right in our mind. So Lord, right now, even as we go into worship, we pray over our imagination, over our mind. We cast down every false imagination that the enemy is trying to throw our way, fears of uh, future problems, fears of even later today, uh, whatever it may be, health, uh, finances, our career, our family, relational world, whatever it may be, God, we claim this territory, our imagination, our mind, our heart, we guard it, God, today with your word, with your desire, and we say, fill it. Fill our minds, fill our imagination, Holy Spirit. Free us up from the attacks of the enemy. We curse the work of the devil, and we release your power into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Be anxious for nothing. But by everything, by prayer and supplication, we make our requests known to God. 
We let our gentleness be made known to all, for the Lord is near. And whatever is good, and whatever is noble, and whatever is righteous, and whatever is lovely, we think on these things. This is how I find my bed. It may look like I'm surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm Try my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way within me. Lead me in your way everlasting. This is how I fight my battles. 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 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in high places, casting down every thought that would exalt itself above the throne of grace. and God's ways are higher than my ways. But God has given us the mind of Christ. This is how we fight our battles. Fill our minds, God, with your word. Fill our minds with your thoughts. Fill our minds with your ways. This is how I fight my So, God, we pray for our friends that this be a week they feel surrounded by you. And every time something feels dark, they remember they're under the shadow of God. And with every thought, maybe they could do a thought log and bring that thought under the lordship of Jesus Christ and say, this is how I fight my battles. Only by your word, your presence, by the grace of God. So send them this week, God, I pray in peace that passes all understanding in Jesus' name. Have a great week, everybody. Fight your battles this way. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles.